Before I get into the sermon, I felt like I wanted to share a little bit about myself. You know, um, before I came to Christ, before the Lord called my name back in 2008, my life was full of destruction. You know, if, if I'm looking at my life before the Lord, I shouldn't really be here. You know, uh, maybe one day I'll be able to get into that a little bit further. But, you know, I, I praise the Lord and I thank Him because He's good. He is good. And He called my name and He saved me and He changed me from the inside out. But, it, but that work isn't done yet. You know, that work is, is continual in our lives. Uh, we don't arrive or we don't, we're not complete until we get to heaven. But you know, it is a joy. It is a joy to know, to know the Lord. It is a joy to be able to serve Him and to, and to be in His presence. All of us can experience that, no matter where you are in, in, in the walk, in your walk with the Lord. Whether you just believe uh, in His name, or if you've been walking with Him for a few weeks or a few months, uh, or for many, many years. It is a joy. So think back that, that moment, that sweet moment where, where you felt the presence of God for the first time. Think about that. And when he called you by your name, think about that. And think about yourself now, where, where you are, where you've been in your life with the Lord. Isn't it sweet? Isn't it wonderful? It is, it is beautiful. Because without the Lord, we would be lost. We would be lost and heading down a road of destruction, but yet he, he is so good that He calls us and He removes us out of that life to a better one. Now, the Christian life isn't perfect. You know, if, if somebody ever told you that, that was a lie. Because it's not perfect. It is difficult. And at, during seasons, it can be hard. And sometimes you want to give up, it feels like. And people make it, you know, to add to it, people can make it even worse, right? But the reality is this, is that apart from God... Our Christian life or our life is nothing apart from God. God is good. All the time, He is good. What we, what we want to do or what we tend to do sometimes is that when bad things come in our lives, we want to blame God for it, but that's not the case. God is good. God is not the orchestrator of bad. He is not the orchestrator of evil. God is good. Amen? I don't know if you needed to hear that this morning. And, and you know, so I got saved in 2008, July of 2008. The following month, August, I went to a men's retreat at um, Mount Lebanon, I believe it was. Uh, it was Hombres de Impacto, which is uh, Men of Impact. It was, a, you know, it was a Spanish retreat. And, you know, I'm minding my own business, enjoying my time with my friends. And then all of a sudden, I... I feel in my spirit, you know, I hear the Lord asking me, if I called you to be a pastor, would you say yes? And I'm like, oh man, 
Uh, I mean, do I have a say-so? <laughs> you know? So I said yes. I said yes. I'll, I'll, you know, in the moment, I said yes. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it looked like. And for, for many years, I tried to, to force that, that ministry. I tried to put myself in the shoes that I thought God would have for me. And I think back and I'm like, man, the Lord was gracious and the Lord was good throughout, throughout those years, you know? So this has nothing to do with the sermon. When I, when I say that, I think about Randy because he says that quite a bit. This has nothing to do with the, with the well, not quite a bit, but, <laughs> but it does say it. So this has nothing to do with sermon. I just felt like I needed to share that. Maybe, may, maybe it was for someone here. You know, someone here this morning that needed to hear that, that needed to be reminded. You know, we're quick to forget. You know, we're human. We forget how good God is. And we forget our past and where we were, where we have been, and where we are now. You know, and Lord willing, we'll have many, many years in the future as we walk with the Lord. All right. So now this is the intro to the sermon. So lead us not into temptation. So we started the year with, uh, with our focus on getting back to the basics. We hope that you've been enjoying it and you've been growing and it's been a blessing to you and you've been growing in your spiritual life. Randy has been preaching on this great series from the verses found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. So uh, in the King James Version, New King James Version, uh, these passages of Scripture is entitled, The Model Prayer. In the English Standard Version, it's uh, titled, The Lord's Prayer. I really like the way that the message, uh, the title in the message, which is, Pray with Simplicity. So at its essence, prayer is simply talking with God. Prayer is designed to draw us closer to God. So even though God knows everything, and yes, He is sovereign, He is omnipotent, He is omnipresent, prayer is for our benefit. If the tables were turned, God would talk to us to have a line of communication. Well, now, now, wait a minute. He does talk to us. He talks to us through His Word and through His Spirit. Now, this is why reading the Bible and prayer is so important to the believer because that is the basic, one of the basic ways for us to have a line, line of communication with God. 2 Timothy 3.16 reads, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is pray without ceasing. This makes a whole lot more sense for the believer. It makes a whole lot more sense for us to understand why reading the Bible and praying is so important for us. But here's the challenge. It's to put our feelings aside and our emotions when, and to wait on God's prayer, I mean God's answer to our prayers. But when God answers our prayers, it will always align to his word. Always. If it doesn't align to his word, then 
It's not from God. It's either our feelings, it could be our feelings, or it could be our emotions that are deceiving us, or it could be a lie from the enemy. That's where we need to be careful. What we tend to do is to believe that our feelings and our emotions are the answer from God to our prayers, when in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's what we want. It's not what God wants. Anybody have a problem with that? Right? We all do. Because what we want is what we want. And we want it now. But what God wants may not be what we want. And God knows better. He knows best. He keeps us from harm. But when, when we follow our emotions and our feelings, what, we, what will end up happening is it, it can, we can go down the wrong road and troubles will come our way. It's just not good. It's not good. So let's wait on the Lord when we pray to him and he will answer eventually. So Jeremiah 17:9 says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Lord knows us. The Lord understands our hearts and he is good and he will answer and we ought to wait on his timing for those answers. Through him, everything will line out perfectly, okay? So the Lord is good. Here's an acronym for uh, prayer, which has helped me throughout the years. So for P, uh, I remember praise. Praise the Lord in everything. Even, even though you're going through difficult times, P, Praise the Lord for everything, the good and the bad. Praise the Lord. R would be for repent. Repent, repentance can be a variety of things when we repent to the Lord, but the key thing is we repent. And then A for ask. Ask the Lord for your necessities in life, for the things that you desire, and, and wait for his answers. And then Y is to yield. Yield to his will. Yield to his timing. Yield to him. So that has helped me throughout the years. I just wanted to share that. All right. So last week, Pastor Randy preached on verse 12 of Matthew chapter 6, and it reads, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That was a really good message. Um, I wanted to listen to it, but, you know, we had uh, some, te- some technicalities back there. So, um, you know, but it was really, really good if you were here. Uh, today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I wanted to read some, uh, some commentaries that, that I found in two separate books that I thought were really good. So in the Alexander McLaren Expositions of Holy Scripture... This is written uh, concerning lead us not into temptation. The petition of the previous clause has to do with the past, which, which is to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. With this, and lead us not into temptation, is the future. The one is the confession of sin, the other the supplication which comes from the consciousness of weakness. The best man needs both, or... All of us, we, bo- we need both. This can be kind of confusing 
So when we read this, when I, read, when, I, when I read this scripture, it can be a little bit confusing. So what does temptation in this context mean? James chapter, chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and is enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. When we are tempted, we tempt ourselves or evil tempts us. Alexander McLaren wrote, I take to be tempted as being presentation of inducement to sin. I take enter into temptation as the further step of consenting to it. In other words, we don't sin when we are tempted. It's only when we fall into temptation when sin enters our lives. Sin at its essence is disobedience to God. And we see that from the very first couple in in the Bible, Adam and Eve, that's when sin entered the world or entered the the mankind. Now let's, let's look at the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up to the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. How convenient. 40 days and 40 nights without eating. Can you imagine how hungry Jesus must have been? Can you imagine how hungry you and I would be if we fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? And how vulnerable we would be? How hangry we would be? Nobody has a problem with that, right? I think I'm the worst one. (laughs) Verse 4. But he answered and and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord God to the test. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you as if they were his to give. Everything belongs to the Lord. Everything. His audacity, right? The father of lies. The deceiver. He's good at that. So all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him, to Jesus. So who tempted Jesus? Was it God or was it Satan? It was Satan. So even though Jesus was tempted by the devil, he did not consent to it. Here's our reality, that all of us will be tempted by the devil. Or... But, but it's not just the devil. It's also our own doing, too. When I pray for my kids, one of my prayers is that, that the Lord would, would call them at an early age. 
so that they would avoid many sins in life. Because I think about my life, and I think about the sins that I committed, and the sins that I consented to. Um, and if we choose, if a young person chooses to follow God at an early age, then they will avoid a lot of mistakes, and the Lord would keep, will keep them if they, if they allow it, right, if they choose, because we have that freedom of choice. But if a young, if a young person al- aligns himself or herself to the, to the Word of God and to God's will, they will avoid a lot of sins. So our sins, when we come to Christ, they are, they are forgiven, they are forgotten as, east, as the east is from the west, the Bible says. So they are erased. God remembers them no more. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, you are given a new slate. You are a new person. So all those sins have been forgiven. But if, if we are people that sin a lot or used to sin a lot, what those sins now become are temptations. And temptations, those temptations will arise in our life as believers, as Christians, as follow, followers of Christ throughout our lifetime. The devil knows that. He knows those temptations. He knows our weaknesses. But, but so does God. But God is so good that when we are tempted, he gives a way of escape. We'll, we'll look into that verse here in a bit. So pray for your kids, you know? Pray for their salvation. Even if they're babies, Pray for them. Pray for them at an early age. Grandparents, pray for your grandchildren. Even, in, even as they're, I mean, you could even pray for them when they're in the womb, right? So pray for them. Prayer is powerful. It is powerful. So Jesus Christ did, did not enter into temptation. He spoke God's word. Obviously, he was the word, but he spoke God's word, and the devil fled from him. So going back to verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's look at the Holman New Testament commentary. This is what is written. In the preceding request for forgiveness is curative spiritual medicine. Then this request is the preventative medicine. Forgiveness is required to deal with guilt already incurred. Deliverance from temptation and evil is required to prevent our incurring future guilt. When we pray this, if we choose to pray and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one, then what we are choosing is to prevent future guilt that will eventually lead us to ask for forgiveness. Which would you rather choose? Disobey the Lord, then ask for forgiveness later, or ask the Lord for protection from temptations? I would rather choose for protection. And in the moment, rely on his strength when temptations come into my life. There are days where I'm tempted less, but then there are days where I'm bombarded by temptations. Every day is different. Every day has their own set of problems, their own set of battles. And every person is different. 
What you are tempted with could be different than what I am tempted with. But when temptations come, what, if, we're, if we're wise and we allow the Lord to lead us and to guide us and to reveal to us our weakness, if we stand in humility before God, when, when we are tempted, that we recognize that I need God's strength. When we are tempted in the moment is when you have to bow yourself down before the Lord and ask for strength. Here's the problem. We think we could do it ourselves. We think we can fight our battles ourselves. We have enough strength. I mean, especially if you were a fighter, you know, if you're, if you're a fighter, if you're a strong individual, if, if you had, had to grow up in a tough environment and you had to battle, your, battle through life, it's, it, it's more difficult for that person to come and ask God for strength in the moment when temptation arises. But here's the truth. We need God's strength. We need his grace and we need his mercy in those moments. So the next time you're tempted, don't rely on your own strength, but rather on God's strength. And no matter how many times, if it's once a day, twice a day, you know, 50 times a day, 100 times a day, if you're tempted 100 times a day, man, you were bad right? <laughs> I'm kidding. So no matter how many times you've been, you're, you're tempted in the day, every single time, rely on the Lord's strength through every moment. Amen? So now this leads us into uh, spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real. We can't see it. Sometimes we, we don't understand what's going on. Uh, sometimes we can feel it, but we might not necessarily know that it's spiritual warfare. In my life, there have been times where I'm woken up in the middle of the night and I'm wide awake. And that, ask my wife, that does not happen. I sleep like a rock. You know, my kids, they come and they try to wake me up. I'm gone. You know, unless, unless, so, you know, my wife, she's a little bit abusive. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't know I snored, but I snore, you know, so she's not abusive, but she does hit me. She does kick me <laughs> for me to turn over to my side because it, apparently when I'm laying on my side, I, I don't snore, right? So, so I sleep like a rock, but you know, there have been nights where I wake up as, and, and I remember it's like between 3 and 3.30. I don't know why it's between 3 and 3.30, 3 but... I wake up. It hasn't happened in a long time, but I was praying for a specific person when this happened, and, and I woke up, and I'm just looking in, in the darkness, and I'm wondering to myself, why am I awake, you know? And then I heard a message many years ago, and, and in the message, the, the preacher said that it, in those moments when, when you feel like you need to pray for someone, you pray for them. So I think it was just by the Spirit of God that in the moment, as I was staring into the darkness, I just, this person came to mind, and I just started praying for them, you know? I just prayed for them. I don't know what they were going through. I don't know the, the circumstances or the situation. I didn't know the gravity of it. I just, I just felt like I needed to pray for them. Uh, the point is this, that spiritual warfare is, weird, is real, 
And not only do we need to pray for ourselves, but we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for our spouses, for our kids, for, for our loved ones, for our parents, siblings, our coworkers. Especially if, if they've entrusted you with something that is so dear to their heart that, you know, the, the thing that they're going through. Pray for them because prayer is powerful. Now, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Consider it all joy. Hmm. Easier said than done, right? It is. But, but consider it all joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's a purpose and there's a reason for our trials and tribulations in life. They might be for your benefit or they might be the, uh, for the benefit of others. So let us be humble enough to share the things that we've gone through. You know, that's one of the purposes that God allows trials and tribulations is that we share those with one another without, without thinking what is a person going to think or what is the person going to, gonna, how is the person going to see me now when I share this? Don't worry about that. Just leave it in God's hands. If you've gone through trials and tribulations and you've come out victorious, God has given you that so that you can help others. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as, it, as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. If God didn't provide an escape, then I would venture to say he is unfair. But he's not. God is fair and God is good. So when the temptation comes, he provides a way of escape. Because through every trial, through every temptation comes victory, maturity, wisdom, and spiritual growth. If we allow it. So here's, here's the challenge. That we get bitter. And we get angry. We get mad. That's the challenge. If we choose that route, you won't grow. You won't mature. All of us are susceptible to that. All of us, including myself. When trials and tribulations come, we trust in the Lord through every step of the way. Regardless of how difficult it might be, how hard it is in your life or in your spouse's, your family's life, it doesn't matter. Trust in the Lord and rely on his strength. 
Now, another thing what tends to happen is, or what I've heard, and I used to believe this, is that they, so in, in, in verse 13, it says, God is faithful who, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. What I've heard people say is that God won't give you more than you can handle. And I don't, you know, when I, when I hear that, I don't think that's necessarily true. Because life is tough. Life is difficult. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that God, for example, that God would give a woman a child and then have a miscarriage and say that, you know, he won't give you more than you can handle. I mean, I've never experienced that, but I I know several people that have, several people that are dear to me, you know, but that's just one example. <laughs> there are hundreds of, of examples. The truth is that, that life will throw hard things at you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, where you grew up. It doesn't matter. You know, the, the world, the enemy... He's an equal opportunist, is that he hates us all, and he will attack us relentlessly through every step of our life. So trust in the Lord. He is good. God is good. Amen? He is good. And he is faithful and just, regardless of of what other people say and what other people say. Uh, proclaim of him. So let's, I want to conclude with this. At the beginning of the year, we've been handing out uh, Focus 2020 booklets. So we have plenty more if you haven't gotten yours yet uh, at the self-check-in and then also at the Welcome Center. So uh, get one of those at the end of service. So I just want to share some of the, the things that are in that booklet. So prepare your heart and mind. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the, the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Prepare your heart and mind. We, we do that in preparation for those circumstances. Just like a, an athlete prepares themselves by lifting weights, running, whatever, whatever their sport is, they prepare themselves for that, for that moment. We ought, as Christians, also prepare ourselves for those moments. Uh, the other one is, is to persevere. Hebrews 10, 36. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised. James 5.11, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job, also for some job. I say that because, you know, our students, the book of Job, right? I said that too when I first came to the, wow, Job, well, that's kind of weird. Anyway, and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. 
Romans 5, 3 through 4. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Hope. Hope to yourselves and hope to others. The other bullet point is resist the enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist them, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. I also think about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ relied on his father. I mean, yes, he was God and he was man, but he relied on on God Almighty through those circumstances. We ought to as well. Here are some things to be aware of the enemy's weapons. Deceit. He is the father of lies. If there's a lie that arises in your heart, if there's a lie that arises in your life or in your family, it does not come from God because God is not the father of lies. It is the devil. The devil is a deceiver and he is the father of lies. He is also, he is also uh, divisive. He, there's division to sow disunity and discord. Disunity and discord in your marriage, in your family, in church, in so many applications at work. It can be a variety of things. And then also be aware that he is good at distraction to get you focused on the wrong things and too much of a good thing. That's pretty good. How can a, how can a good thing be a distraction? Well, if it's too much. I think this is a good, to add to that, if it takes your focus away from God because it's so good, then there you go. That's a good indicator that it's just too good, too good of a thing. God should always be number one, number one in our lives. Amen? All right, so let's uh, stand with me and I'll finish with this. Galatians 6, verse 9 through 10. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Let us be good with one another. Let us treat one another with fairness and with goodness, regardless of of how you feel about the person. This is the month of love, right? Valentine's Day. I think we're especially good at sharing love in this month. But it should be every other month as well. And we all have those people that, that irritate us or that just bring out the worst in us. Treat them good. May the Lord give us strength to be good toward one another. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. You are good. We proclaim this morning that you are good. You are righteous. You are just. You are the orchestrator of everything good in our life. And we come to you in humility, recognizing that all good things come from you. We praise you, Lord, and we glorify your holy name. Thank you for our salvation Thank you for all the good things in our life, for, for the necessities of life, 
for the clothes on our back, food on our, on our tables, a shelter for us to live under. Thank you. And we pray, Lord, for those that are lacking. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them and that you would use us, your church, to help others in need. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.